Welcome back again to Sunday School. Um, we're looking at our series, Christianity 101, learning how to walk uh, with God in faith. So we're going to be in again in the book of Judges, still in Judges chapter 1. Uh, we are moving through pretty quickly though. So Judges chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse number 9. Judges chapter 1 and verse number 9 and the Bible says and after the children of Judah went down to afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountain and in the south and in the valley and Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron now the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba and they slew Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai and from thence he went against the inhabitants of Debir the name of Debir before was Kirjath Sefer and Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath-sefer, and taketh it to him, will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, uh, took it, and he gave him Aksa his daughter to wife. And it came to pass, when she came to him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted from off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Verse number 16. And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon his brother, and they slew the Canaanites and inhabited Zapheth and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Hormah. Also Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof, and Ascalon with the coast thereof, and Ekron with the coast thereof. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled thence the three sons of Anak. Uh, let's pray real, pray real quick. Father God, we love you. We thank you. Lord, please help us to see uh, this idea of contentment today. Help us to see uh, exactly what you would have for us to understand uh, your word and your truth. God, please just guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, remember, uh, last week, as we looked, we saw uh, some very slight missteps. We saw that Israel, immediately after the death of Joshua, went to the Lord and the Lord uh, told them that Judah should go, and then Judah took Simeon because they had little faith. And, and this doesn't seem like a huge issue, but we, we really talked last week about uh, being in that perfect path, that perfect will. And, and when we get off just a little bit, um, how that the blessings of God change. And we looked at quite a few passages, but today we're going to continue on with this... this uh, fighting of Judah, and we're going to see that Judah, Judah's going to continue to get victory. Uh, they're going to continue to win and, and uh, clear out. <clears throat> but again, remember, this is, this is something, what they're doing now is something that should have been done 50 years ago as they entered the Promised Land. Um, this is something that Joshua was leading the people to do, but they just didn't follow through with. And, and we're going to see... Uh, in the next lessons, how this will affect everybody, but um, Judah continues its cleansing, and in verse number nine, Simeon is not mentioned. 
it says that Judah went against went uh, to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountain and in the south and in the valley. So we don't know why Simeon wasn't there. We don't know why he's not mentioned. We just know that Judah went and Judah won. Judah had more victory. They they took Kirjath Arba, changed it to Hebron. They took uh, Kirjath Sefer and changed it to to Debir. But then we start to see that. We start to see a shift. We see Caleb, who was one of the the two good spies, who was a a valiant, a mighty man. Um, Caleb is the one in in Joshua that said, I want that mountain. And he went at at 80 plus years old and took the mountain that that God gave him. But Caleb is going to dangle a carrot. He's going to use a little bribery. Uh, he's going to make a vow to the people. He says, whoever taketh Kirjah Sefer, uh, I will give Axa my daughter to be their wife. Now, again, this doesn't seem like a huge issue. I mean, we bribe people all the time. We were just trying to bribe Naomi with candy if she would say the memory verse. <laughs> <clears throat> but why do we do that? Why do we have to do that? And I go back to my own life, and I think about, in my own life, how many times, um, well, I, I go back to the first one that comes to mind is, is me praying to God that I would win the lottery. And I say, God, if you would let me win the lottery, I would do this. I'm trying to bribe God. But it seems like we have to get something in order to do something. Um, I think I was talking to Jesse last week and we were talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and uh, his running and how he's far more Republican leaning as a Democrat than any other. But uh, we got to talking about JFK. And, you know, JFK's famous uh, speech was asked not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. We've lost that mentality. We've lost that heart of service. As we went to Arkansas, I I struggled with going down there because we're there to help mom. And yes, what we were doing was helping mom. This is what she wants. She wants us to take these things and she wants us to clean out so that she doesn't have to sell it so that it can stay in the family and and all these, you know, all these things. We're so sentimental about some of these things. But, But my feeling in all of it was I'm just going down there and, oh, I want that and I want that and I want that and not, it, it felt very greedy. Looting. <laughs> felt like we were looting her. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, the hurricane comes through and we go and all of a sudden start busting out windows and taking the TVs because, you know, that's what we need when there's no power. We don't need the food and the stuff that's going to go bad. We need the TVs. But, but that's where we are as a country. Um, even though we're doing this thing and, and we're, we're helping mom and we're doing what she wishes, it feels like greed because all of it is stuff that we really don't need. But we focus so much on stuff. And we begin to see that as, as Othniel. And Othniel Othniel's not a bad guy. Othniel is going to come up as one of the judges. Othniel, uh, Caleb's nephew, he's the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Kenaz is Caleb's younger brother. Um, 
he's going to take care of Josephus, and and Caleb is going to is going to live up to his vow, and and we are going to see again in the book of Judges where uh, a man is going to come up against a hard vow and is going to have to. We see it several times, but um, he has to live up to that vow, and I didn't get into that today, but. Uh, you know, God says it's better to not make a vow than to make one and break it. And so Caleb is going to live up to his vow, and he's going to he's going to give Axa his daughter to Othniel. And then, as soon as they come together as husband and wife, the first thing that she does is she says, "Go seek this from my father." And uh, in verse number fifteen, in, instead of Othniel going and do, doing it, she does it. And she said unto him, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. She wasn't content with what her father had given her. Now being content is being held or contained. In emotion, it's it's being quiet, not disturbed. It's having a mind of peace. It's being satisfied. She wasn't satisfied with what she'd been given. Now we understand, we've looked at it many times, that the father, or we should have looked at it many times, we haven't been around that long, but the father in the family is a picture of God. God intended him to be the head of the household. God intended him to be the guide and director to lead the family towards God. But God made him a picture of himself. That's why when Adam was created, Adam was created in the image of God because Adam was a picture of what God was. And Adam, of course, failed in his uh, husband and fatherly duties and and fell into sin. And because of that, you see uh, Cain and Abel, you see one young man that is raised up and and loves the Lord and serves him the way that, that God wants him to. And then you see another that is raised up and full of pride and serves the Lord the way that He's still serving the Lord, but he serves the Lord the way that he wants instead of the way that God wants and and falls away and commits murder. And then is exiled and removed from God's presence and then you see Seth raised up. And Cain and Abel are not mentioned again. But here we have this young lady that, that her father had given her this great gift. Um, I, 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 I think about the property out there that... Uh, my dad just sold. Um, this community is surrounded by century farms. Farms that have been in the same family for over a hundred years. That have been passed from generation to generation to generation. That property was one of those until my dad sold it. Um, and it, it, it bothered me that he didn't even tell me that he was selling it. Um, I, I really had hoped that one day, and, and we still might, but that one day I might have that property. That's where my great-grandfather was raised. That's where my grandfather was raised. That's where my dad was raised. And I was raised there. Um, it's just a sentimental thing, but it's something that has been passed down from generation to generation. And here... Uh, her father had given her and her husband this great gift, had just given it to her. They didn't have to work for it. I mean, Kayla or Othniel had already worked 
for his wife. He, he had done what Caleb had asked him to do, and then they just start giving this gift. But they weren't content with it. Romans 6.23 says, But the wages of sin is death, or for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We've been given a gift. We've been given Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, and yet somehow we're not content. The children of Israel over and over again have been given God. God gave himself to them. They are his children, his chosen people. And yet they fall away and serve other gods. And we, we see this very beginning right here. Mark, uh, the book of Mark chapter 15. We're just going to take a look at this word content a little bit. Mark 15 and verse number 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Pilate, willing to quiet the people, willing to uh, give them a mind of peace, gave them Barabbas, a murderer and a robber over Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Luke 3, and verse number 14. <coughs> uh, we're going to start in verse number 12 <clears throat> in Luke 3. It says, Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Now this is John the Baptist as he's baptizing uh, before he baptized Christ before Christ started his earthly ministry. But he says to the soldiers, be content with your wages. Philippians 4. I know I said it last week and I've said it over and over again. This, this is not directed at anybody but me. Um... Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Gentiles eat pork chops. Philippians 4. The kids think it's popcorn, but popcorn doesn't make sense because the Jews didn't eat pork. That's why it's... Whatever. Uh, Philippians 4 and verse number 10. Now, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to, abate, how to be abased, and I know how to abound. 
Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding ye have well no, well done, and ye did communicate with my affliction. Or sorry, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Paul understood, and we talked about Paul is the example of being exactly where God wants him to be. He never wavered. After his conversion, he never wavered. He never doubted. He followed God everywhere God wanted him to go. And we're going to look at it a little bit as we look in Jonah today. But Paul and Jonah had very much the same journey as Paul is going to Rome and as Jonah is trying to flee to Tarshish. The difference is Paul followed God to the letter. And because of that, the entire ship, all of the people on it were saved from the storm and and Paul was taken to Rome and ultimately was able to, to proclaim the Lord in front of Caesar. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about Brother Grant asked me to if I wanted to go to the Trump rally with him, and I would have loved to have gone, but had some things to do, and it got canceled anyway. Yeah. But but imagine standing in front of Donald Trump and being able to witness to him, mm-hmm. being able to show him the love of God, and have him get saved. Paul knew how to be content. 1 Timothy 6. Oh, it was there. 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 1 says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. This is speaking of slave labor. That's an interesting thought. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, And to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Verse number six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Verses 5 through 8 are telling us how to avoid the evil strifes, the, the questions about the words, the railings, the evil surmisings. All of these things come because we are not content with what God has given us. Because we're not content with just simply placing our faith and trust in the Lord. We think there's something else. 
verse number nine, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That drowning, I've been there many, many times. But verse number 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money, the attitude of greed, desiring to gain all of the money that you can is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted, coveted after, they have erred from the faith and perceived themselves, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Axa here is, is seeking something that she wasn't intended to have. She wasn't content. So what are we to be content with? Well, we're, we're to be content with our possessions. Um, what God has given us right now, we're to be content with that. Now that doesn't mean that we don't need to uh, make them as nice as possible, but we also understand that they're not ours. They're God's. Everything that He's given us is to be used for Him. We're to be content with our physical position. Um, as I was in, when, I, when we lived in Missouri, uh, I began to get frustrated and, and discontent uh, with uh, my position at the company that I was at. And I, I did everything I could to change jobs, thinking it would make things easier, things better. And unfortunately, it just piled on, the promotions just piled on more and piled on more and piled on more. Until God in His mercy had me get fired. Um, it's the only it's only the second job I've ever been fired from. The first one I got laid off uh, didn't really get fired, they just ran out of work and I was a temporary employee, so they let me go. But this job, I, I, I got fired. I got a phone call on my way back from Indiana that said, your services are no longer needed. Now, without getting into the whole story, I was in Indiana for a funeral uh, for my best friend's 25-year-old son, who happened to... My, my best friend happened to be the director of operations for the company that I was working for. But somebody on his level that was my direct boss decided I didn't need to be there anymore. But that was God getting me out of there. Getting me out of that place where I was supposed to be a light and a witness and I was doing my best to do that. But being discontent had started to dim that witness. I had started to become a virus instead of the cure. What we are not to be content with, though, is where we are in our sanctification process. We are always to be striving to be closer with the Lord. We are, we are not to be content with where we are today in our relationship with the Lord. Because we're not where God wants us. 
it's interesting how this falling away starts. And I don't remember if I've told the story to everybody, but there's a, a man that, long story short, he's a, a good friend um, of, he's the uncle-in-law of the pastor that I got saved under, and, and I would call him a friend of mine. Um, but him and his brother uh, were saved as teenagers. Their dad was the town drunk and uh, got saved and just immediately turned his life around as they were teenagers. And they saw God do tremendous things in his life. And uh, they went on to serve the Lord, and this man was a pastor, and and, um, he actually pastored the church that sent Brother Pierce to Iowa when I got saved. Um, And then his brother is the one who the story is about. His brother was serving in the church, and and, um, one day... Uh, his brother and his wife and their two daughters are sitting at home and their front door gets kicked in by the FBI and the DEA and their house gets raided and they the husband and wife go to prison for 82 months on federal drug charges this is a Christian this is a saved man who loved the Lord is now serving 82 months in a federal prison on drug charges so they went through the trial, and um, they were. Uh, he apparently still had a good enough reputation that after the sentencing, they let him go home and get his affairs in order and said, you're to report to prison on this day, and just trusted him to show up. So uh, my friend, the pastor, uh, is taking his brother and his mom, and uh, they're, they're reporting to the prison, and they're sitting outside in the, in the outside of the in the main area of the prison uh, or the the visiting area of the prison and they're talking in a room waiting for the guards to come get him and take him away for his 82 month sentence and his brother looks him in the eye and says what happened how did we get to this point and he says honestly the nearest I can tell is it all started when I stopped going to church on Wednesday night now there's nothing magical about church on Wednesday night the saying is you need three services to strive. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you need to be with God as much as possible is the thought. But it's not because you're here on a Wednesday night that you are closer to God. There are many people that are in church on Wednesday night that are so far away from God they couldn't see him with a telescope. But the idea is he stopped doing what he knew he was supposed to do. So he stopped going to service on Wednesday night and he started uh, working overtime. He started hanging out with the, the men that he worked with. And instead of being the witness, he started following along. And then pretty soon he stopped going to service on Sunday night. And then pretty soon he stopped going to Sunday school. And then pretty soon he was cooking meth in his kitchen and ends up for 82 months in federal prison. Now, praise the Lord, God used that time. Uh, He didn't get bitter, he got better. He spent that time in the Word, and he's now serving as the missions pastor for his local church. He's not in the same church that he was in. Uh, His wife has served her sentence. The two daughters, who were teenagers, graduated high school with honors. Uh, It didn't really affect them the way it could have. God showed them mercy. But it all started 
because they weren't content with God. Caleb's daughter is not content with what her father, again, who's a picture of the Lord, gave her on her wedding day. Judah and Simeon failed to defeat the Canaanites in the valley because they had chariots of iron. Because the Lord's not strong enough to overcome the chariots. Something was wrong. Their faith lacked. They weren't content with just following God. Next week, we're going to see this falling away is going to get even worse. But remember, in our own lives, it's the little things. If we're not faithful in the little things, we're never going to be faithful in the big things. So, let's work this week as we go throughout our week to make sure that we are faithful and diligent in those little things. Those things that we know that we're supposed to do. Make sure that we're exactly where God wants us to be this week.